listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. Hello, Master Daters. Welcome back for another episode of It's Complicated. The struggle is real when you're dating in the city. I'm Jen. And I'm not Jen. <laughs> no. No. Still not. What a surprise. That's the only thing we can count on during this time, really. I really just want to give everyone some consistency right now. So still not Jen. And this is why we're your resident best friends, Jen and not Jen, here to help you along your relationship journey, especially during this damn coronavirus pandemic, because relationships really and truly are more important than ever before. They are. Think of us as your very own fun fairies. We are bringing joy to the process of life and all of the things happening around you. We're going to try our best to sprinkle all of our love dust all over the place because it takes a village to date and we are your community. You can find us at It's Complicated Podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to tell a friend. This is very helpful for us. It shows we have a loyal and growing audience to all of the fabulous offers that we are bringing you guys. It keeps the lights on in our village so we can run the show and contribute to all of the helpful tips and being awesome village members for you. So please share. We are anxious AF about what this damn pandemic is serving us right now, and we need an expert to help enlighten us about how to stay mentally and physically healthy, as well as keep love alive while we're stuck at home. That's why we're so excited to have transformational speaker, life coach, and best-selling author Valerie Gangus in to discuss how alone time can be powerful. I know, surprising, but it is. Why enlightenment is sexy how to deal with anxiety naturally and not necessarily with those little pills, breathing new life into your relationships during quarantine, and more. Valerie pulls from her degree in transpersonal psychology, theology, and women's studies to bring a deep yet accessible perspective, very important to all that she does. Her book, Enlightenment is Sexy, Every Woman's Guide to a Magical Life focuses on helping women make radical shifts in their self-perception, and that allows you to gain a deeper understanding of who we are so you can truly thrive and unleash your magic into the world when we can expose ourselves to the daylight and other humans. This will be very helpful. Absolutely. And she's actually going to teach us how to probably do it while we're quarantining, so we can start now. Her unique life coaching technique involves tapping into the transpersonal, which is one's spiritual side, to amp up the magic in everyday life. Relationships, money matters, health and well-being, etc. You can just amp up the magic in anything you do, even in doing podcasts. Here we are so magical. Her primary goal is to assist her clients in making their most soul-stirring dreams of life a reality. This is how Valerie sums up her philosophy for optimal living. Once you're regularly tuning into your soul's voice through daily meditation, prayer, nature walks, whatever works for you, follow the signs, embrace the mystery, and trust the universe. Cheese better than a dose of Xanax chased by a large gulp of wine. Welcome to the show, Valerie. <laughs> Best intro ever. I mean, well, that's a how I lot feel about you. <laughs> yeah. Thanks. 
Xanax <laughs> and wine sounds real good right now. Can't do any of it because I'm pregnant. But gosh, I mean, like right now, I'm not saying self-medicate people. I'm just saying it would be nice to have a couple of drinks for me in this pandemic crazy situation. How are you feeling, Valerie? How are you dealing with all of this? Um, I'm doing okay. I think I have a lot of practice in like staying home or taking like a big time out. So it doesn't feel like my first rodeo. I think the anxiety for me is like what's happening to people in hospitals and like older people and more concern for others. But for myself, I feel like I'm doing, I'm doing pretty well. Good. That's amazing. So are you quarantining alone or do you have possibly somebody there with you? No, I'm here alone. I don't, I'm not married. I don't have kids. I can't imagine having uh, like a house full of kids right now. That is like, that's crossed my mind multiple times. Uh, It would be like 20 times more difficult, a hundred times more difficult. So I do have a small chihuahua. (laughs) <laughs> that's about Wild. it like I actually have a dog myself and I was walking her today and I felt like a single parent because I'm like oh my god I can't please her there's nothing I can do to have enough fun and then I was like hold on get a grip there are people at home with multiple kids homeschooling them and they're not happy and they've got emotions and they don't know how to communicate and mayhem and I'm like let me just suck it up and continue this dog walk <laughs> And you know how happy our animals are that we're home all the time? I mean, like, that never happens. Yeah, I feel like she is super happy, but then, like, she doesn't have the understanding of, like, taking things for granted. So now it's like, I'm happy you're here, but, like, could you throw the ball? Could you give me eat? <laughs> and I'm like, my goodness. I It's like a full-time job just taking care of this girl. Yeah, they don't understand that, like, they, it, this is, like, a special thing. They just think, oh, now this is it. Give me more of this thing that you're giving me. Which Right, because they probably can't even remember like yesterday. So no, how, how are they going to gauge it? But my question is, how are you feeling, you know, being pregnant during all of this? That's got to be, you know, yeah. pretty stressful. It is because th- the landscape keeps changing so drastically that um like the last time I went into the doctor's office like my doctor was seemed a little bit more upbeat and today Mm -hmm. when I went it was like nobody else last time like my partners were allowed this time it's like nobody else can be with you she had a mask on I asked her like how the hospital is that I'm delivering at and Mm -hmm. I knew that she wasn't going to say, yeah, it's kind of scary there. I mean, she didn't say that, but even if it was, it's like, she's not going to tell me. She's right. like, great, very organized. I'm like, okay, but like, also that's the problem is like tomorrow that could be different. Um, so the, I think the feeling of like not knowing what's next and like this, this, um, you know, we're going to talk a lot with you. I'm an anxious person and we want to talk a lot about anxiety and like how to deal with that because we know that's like your area. And my problem is like anticipatory anxiety. Like I think about like what's going to happen and it worries me. And so this is not good for someone like me because there's all this talk about the peak of this illness and like, right. Oh my God. The news, the news is out of control, out of control. They said that one week during this whole experience is going to be the equivalent of like a medical Pearl Harbor. Yeah. I, I, I can't even take it anymore. Like that may happen. That may not happen. 
but to like have it playing on the news 24 seven and everyone sitting at home, like glued to their TV or on their phones, you know, reading about all this. It's like, how many people are going to have nervous breakdowns? That's the number I would like to see. Right. And, and mental health is such a big thing with all of this too, because you're, you know, kind of isolated and there's a lot of things that can be triggered by, I mean, even if you're like a pretty stable person and you don't deal with anxiety or depression or loneliness or things of that nature. And you're like, you know, fairly, just like I said, stable, this is hard for anybody. I mean, absolutely. And going back to what you're saying, like pregnancy is a scary, like delivering and giving birth and all that. It's kind of like an anxiety slash scary slash exciting thing for most women just in a normal state. So again, like this layer of <laughs> um, like pandemic scare and, and the news making it worse, it does. It's just like, I think it, it does affect pregnant women, but then I think in general, it affects anybody with some sort of situation happening. And like, how do you, so, okay. So first question is like, the deal dealing with like the loneliness and like that is is on a smaller scale than someone who might have like a more serious condition let's say but let's just talk about like quarantining alone and like feeling lonely and like maybe getting down about that why do you think that people should not should take this time to be embracing being alone and like how that could be helpful or powerful potentially I mean, I I think being alone can be a real game changer. I know I made a big change in my life uh, about, I think it's been, it was like seven years ago. I moved out of Chicago um, where I had a ton of friends, you know, always had a boyfriend, was never alone. And I moved out into the country in Iowa completely by myself. I think I knew one person in the town. My purpose was to write a book. I wasn't thinking about what that would do for me to be alone that way. It was just, I had a really strong desire to do it. So I just followed that, you know, I just followed my intuition and it changed my life. For the first time ever, I was just alone with my thoughts. Like I started to understand why I did the things I did, where like, you know, this desire to be out and be with people all the time and never have any downtime. I mean, I really felt like I was running from who I was and from like dealing with all the stuff that we all pick up in our lives. And once I was totally alone and like out in nature, everything slowed down. I became much more calm. Um, My creativity just absolutely spiked. And I got to the point where I loved being alone. I mean, I felt like I really started to understand who I was, what I wanted, and, you know, what my future was going to look like, or at least what I wanted it to look like. And I I don't know if I ever took that much time before to think about all that, because I always had a distraction in other people or going out or work or whatever the case may be. So I'm a big fan of spending some time alone. I know it's being forced on us right now, so it's kind of weird. But I'm hoping some good will come out of all this because this does give people a chance to be like, whoa, wait a second. Do I want to keep living the way I'm living or am I with the right partner or, you know, make some major changes? But unfortunately, you have to feel some pain. You know, you feel lonely or you can feel sad or go through a series of emotions, but that will pass. And once you work through it, you're just so much stronger. 
that's that's my personal opinion. I think that makes so much sense. And that's sort of like my mentality about the whole thing. Like I kind of, not that this is a gift because that's like obviously very insensitive to the people that are actually having like health issues or losing their lives or loved ones and things like that. And I, I am trying to do my best because I'm in a situation where like, I have a roof over my head. I have an income. I have a dog. I have people in my life that I love. Like I'm trying to take advantage of this and become my best self and not complain about what's going on because like I have no right to like, so what I'm staying at home and watching TV and FaceTiming with friends and like eating a lot of food at home. Like who cares? Right. Like what's the problem in in your specific case? You know, like you said, you have a roof over your head, you have income, you have food, you can like go on zoom and connect with people. It's that's, it's going to be okay. You know, in your situation, it's just really scary for people that are sick and elderly parents and all that. That's got to be a nightmare. Totally. And like, thankfully, again, I don't have that right now. And you know, this is day whatever of quarantine and this whole issue, but like, I'm, proud to say right now I'm okay and whatever. But what is annoying is people asking me, aren't you so lonely because you're single? Like, isn't this awful for you? Don't you wish you had someone there with you? I'm like, what? (laughs) Let me. That's totally them projecting like how they would feel probably if they were in your space, but we're all different. Right. And like, what if I also was quarantining with somebody I don't like that much, or like it started to tear apart our relationship and then I'm stuck with them or who knows what. But at the end of the day, I'm like, I was fine before this being single. I'm fine now. It's not going to be the rest of my life. And I'm still being proactive. So like, do you think that this is a time that you can sort of like either be alone and work on these things that might help you either find somebody during this period or become your best self so that when you're out of this, like you're like raring to go because I'm sure there's going to be people that are like freedom, like let me go on a date in person. Yeah. I mean, to answer your question, I say yes to both. I mean, now let's say we're just specifically thinking about relationships. Now would be a great time to be journaling every day and writing down like, okay, what went wrong in my past relationships? I'm sure you would find a pattern and actually taking a deep dive into, you know, these things that continuously come up. Cause if you can have a breakthrough and stop the pattern that could lead to a whole different type of relationship. So you got the time now to focus in and it's also a great distraction I mean, nothing is more interesting than what's going on inside of us. So if you can make a decision like, hey, I'm going to really take an inventory of my life here. I'm going to see what's working, what I need to do to make some changes. And in the relationship department, really looking backwards, because we all have those patterns and seeing like, hey, I, I didn't like that. And that keeps happening over and over again. And starting to ask yourself, why? Why do you do that? Why do I make those decisions? Why do I keep picking that same type of person and the answer will become clear to you. Yeah, that reflecting back and and recognizing patterns and asking yourself those questions is so it's something I think that a lot of people should do anyway, but right now a good motivation for doing that is journaling. Also like reading, maybe you read a book about, you know, something specific that you think is going to help you out, because obviously this time is different for everybody. But in general, your book, Enlightenment is Sexy, Every Woman's Guide to a Magical Life, is 
a really good book for, you know, embracing like your time and self-reflection and how to move forward or become, um, I would say like a better person, right? When all of this is over and we're all, we're all hopeful that, oh, this pandemic, when it's over, like everyone's going to come out a new person and like, we're going to learn these lessons and we're going to view things differently. Our perspective is going to be more, a lot of people are even using the word enlightened. So how do you think that like this book could be applied to some these sort of things right now? And like, what sort of things that sort of tie into the pandemic can we be enlightened about? Well, you know, that book was born from um, experiences that I had that really changed my life. The first one being losing my mom. And when my mom passed away in 2011, it, I mean, I, I didn't go into a hospital, but I definitely had a nervous breakdown and I was suicidal and completely non-functional. So from that led to a series of events that, that changed my life for the better. So I, I've been thinking a lot about this. Like everyone is really nervous. Everyone is, you know, feeling sick over this and just down, down on their luck, down, just down in general, depressed, anxious. And I know on the other side of that pain, good things happen because that's when you really, really start thinking about your life. And when you really start focusing on your life and what you want and connecting to your true self, like capital T, true self, big changes occur. So I've just been thinking like collectively, like I know everyone is suffering. I know everyone is scared. And so I just tend to assume on the other side of that will be some change. Not that every person's going to radically change, but I think there will be a shift in consciousness. This has been a big deal. And so on the micro level, me losing my mom was a huge deal for me. And I know my life changed after that. The, Actually, the next book that I'm writing is all about like 14 different paths that we go down in our lives that that transform us. And a lot of the time it's from pain and suffering. So it's not all bad. It just hurts like a son of a bitch. And this could be one of those paths that's like collectively happening for everybody. So this this some of the lessons and 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 tips and tricks in this book could be applied to this, even though it's not like, I mean, it's a personal experience for everybody, I guess, in their own way, but generally, like, we're all going through it. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of like after 9-11, that's the only other thing I can compare this to. I felt like the world changed. I mean, we were never the same after that. And so this kind of feels that way. And if it happens to you personally, you know, that you have a big shift in consciousness that your 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 whole viewpoint of life is is different after these types of experiences, then you can kind of see how that could happen on a global level. That would be ideal if everybody was able to transform. And actually, there was a really amazing video from an Italian man that was saying that it was like his voiceover about how he was embodying the virus and he was sent here to regain control of us because humanity has like gone awry and was like, I've done all these things for you and you've done all this stuff back. That's just horrific. And so hopefully after all this is said and done, you will start to appreciate the smaller things that are the most important, like human touch, a hug, 
um, being able to feel safe and go to the grocery store and not wear a mask or be afraid of other people and shimmy away from them. Just like the general things that we take for granted every day. It's like, the most beautiful thing ever. But, you know, we are completely out of control right now. This virus has taken control of the globe. So one of the subjects you cover in your book is about control. What do we do in an environment where we have lost control, but we like really want to regain it? Well, I mean, this is a perfect lesson in surrender. We have no choice. You can keep fighting it, but man, you're going to really, you're going to feel it. If you're trying to fight back against this, it is, it's out of our control. So like for me, I'm just, let's bring it back to this is a personal experience. I was in San Francisco when they announced the lockdown and they were the first to do it. And I didn't know what that meant. I, I just was like, I have to get the hell out of here. Like, are, is the national guard going to come in and like lock me in my house? What am I going to do? So I ended up driving back to Boulder. And once I got back here, I was like, I surrender to all of this. If I have to stay home for three months, I accept it. There's nothing I can do about it. And I instantly felt better. I mean, this is a big, big lesson in letting go of lots of things in our lives. Well, I actually felt that way about like dating. I was like, oh man, this is really never going to get off the ground at this rate. Like I thought 2020 would be the year I like find the guy, we're going to date, we're going to, you know, get serious. 2021 might be when we get married. It's going to look beautiful. This is a perfect timeline. And then I'm like, shit, this damn coronavirus really threw a wrench in my whole timeline. But actually, it could be speeding it up for you because you could be home working on yourself, make have some big revelation and then go out, you know, the week we're free and meet someone and like go elope. You know, you never know Love that. I Thank you. Thank you for- <laughs> I believe in miracles 100 percent. So and I think when you do that, when you do the work, you are always rewarded and it's always magical. It's different than what you think it's going to be. Because again, you have no control how this is going to work out for you. Yeah, the control thing is hard for me. That's always been um, like something that brings anxiety into my life. And it's so funny because just a blanket statement of like control, like a lot of people think just right off the bat, like, you know, they go straight to like controlling other people. Like I'm going to try to control someone I'm in a relationship with or something like that. And it's so much deeper than that. It's more just like, the fear of the unknown or feeling out of control and like so many other things. Relationships obviously is a big one, but just in life, like I don't like the feeling of not knowing what's going to happen next or being not being able to mentally prepare for something. And right now it's like, again, it's a specific situation, whether it's dating or, you know, hopefully you're not unhealthy, but like having a baby right now is like real. That's a scary thing on top of that. Because I don't, I don't know what to do about feeling out of control about, you know, when you talk about this, this part of my life, which is supposed to be like this really life changing momentous occasion on its own, while all this other life changing momentous things are happening to everyone around me, it's like a double whammy. And I... I'm like hopeful that you have some tips about dealing with anxiety naturally, because I am pregnant, so I can't do anything about it. And normally I do anyway, if I have anxiety, I'll talk it out or like I've tried CBD or I'll do stuff like that. Um, Therapy, it's very helpful for me. But like, what do you, I'm sure there's a lot of people who don't have specific anxiety issues that are feeling that right now anyway, but I know that I have my moments too, because it's just exists in my brain. So 
what are some natural things, like things that you can prevent anxiety um, or if you're in the moment of anxiety, like something to help? Well, I mean, first of all, the fact that you're pregnant in the middle of all this, like you have to recognize that it, of course you feel anxiety. How could you not? I mean, yeah. that's that's why that was the first thing I asked you. Like, my God, how are you feeling during all this? I really can't imagine being pregnant. So there's even more pressure on you um, to try and pull this all together. When do you do, first of all? Uh, May 9th. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's super intense. So uh, the, I'm just going to tell you what I've done for my anxiety. Okay. So I had a very bad sleeping disorder. I did not, I literally did not sleep like a normal person for 14 years. I had tons of anxiety um, and I wasn't taking care of myself. I mean, I would like, you know, drink wine to try and sleep at night or like smoke pot. Not, none of that was working because it was deep inside of me. So the one thing that helped me more than anything else that I have done was learning to meditate. So specifically, I practice transcendental meditation. Um, it's taught to you by a teacher. It takes about four days and it's, you know, an hour, 90 minutes per session. But like after day one, you know how to meditate. So when you start meditating, you are bringing a lot of silence into your body. You're letting your mind relax naturally. And it's a real game changer. I can't really imagine dealing with everything I've dealt with in my life. I've, I've lost a lot of family members, spending tons of time in hospitals, real heavy duty stuff. And I, I think the only way I've been able to get through it is because I meditate and I meditate regularly. So that has been a huge game changer for me. Okay. So that, and I've heard this plenty of times. Um, and I think that I definitely believe in this as a form of, you know, helping yourself. Um, I think it's very powerful. I used to meditate when I was really little, which is so odd to say, but no, it's not because kids like naturally will go there. Yeah. I used to do it and I didn't realize that's what I was doing until I was older, but it, it, yeah, I had like an epiphany when I was 18. I was like, wait a minute, that's what, that's what that was. That's um, really cool. It was cool. So, but I believe in that too. So that's like a good thing for everyone to keep in mind for like just maintaining like a, a normal practice in your everyday life and like trying to stay a little Zen and meditating and creating silence. But like, do you have any tips too for if you're having an anxiety attack, you're starting to feel anxious, like yeah. how oh, yeah. help that? Because some, you know, people will say like, just take a deep breath. And while I know breathing, it does actually make a physiological change in your body. I get that. But sometimes when you're in the middle of an anxiety attack, like, you know, that you want to hear a little bit more detail than just like, okay, you need to breathe. Like you're, you want to be like, fuck you. I can't breathe right now. I'm having an anxiety attack. Right. You're literally forgetting to breathe when you're having an anxiety attack like that. So, okay. I have, I've had like a billion anxiety attacks in my life. So this is something I'm really familiar with. And I know that's annoying when someone's like, breathe. You're like, yeah, no shit. I need to breathe. But you literally forget when you're having an anxiety attack, like you're not breathing. So now I've trained my own, I don't really have them anymore, but I did train myself. Like if I started feeling it coming on, I would do like deep, deep breathing. And another thing I, I did was like to focus on one thing that like I knew was real. Cause you know how everything gets really trippy when you're 
having an anxiety attack and you start like losing touch with reality. Yes, totally. So like if I was on a plane, cause I used to get panic attacks flying, I'd have to be like, okay, I'm in seat 1A. I'm going to be at my destination in one hour. I know this to be true. Everyone's okay. Like I start going down the laundry list in my mind of what I know to be true and what is okay to shift my focus from like the very crazy thoughts that I would have. Totally. I was told one time to like do, um, I had an anxiety attack and called a friend and she talked me through it. Like, where are your feet? And she made me say feet are touching the floor. Um, because yes, your mind goes down this rabbit hole. And I could see right now how sitting down, watching the news, listening to someone say like, all these people are dying and it's going to peak. And then it, or, you know, or you're alone in your apartment and you're thinking, God, I just started talking to this guy or this girl, and now I'm never going to talk to them again. And then, oh my God, what's going to happen? I'm going to be alone forever. And what if I die alone? Cause I get coronavirus and your mind just starts going. Right. You go, you are like on a crazy train when you start having anxiety like that. But first of all, if you are having anxiety, you gotta, you gotta figure out what is triggering you. News is bad. Turn it off. Get some exercise. I know for me, like I started realizing that there were certain foods I was eating that were triggering me. Like I was getting anxiety from them and I had to like pay close attention to when does this come on? Like, when do I feel anxious? What did I eat before then? What did I do? What people was I with? You would be surprised how if you're with the wrong person and they have really gross energy, they can literally make you have anxiety attacks. Is this like what journaling will do for you? Because I got to be honest, I hate writing with my hands. Like if I have to write a check, I get mad. Like I do not like using my hands for anything other than like typing, eating, like general hand things outside of writing. So if I have to write with like a journal, I'm probably not going to do it. Is there any other way you can like get these thoughts out or is journaling the end all be all and I must do it? No, I mean, nothing's the end all be all. If that's not what you like, then don't do it. Talk into your phone, you know, like say it out loud, which I think is super powerful. It's why therapy works. When you say things out loud, like they become real. So if you don't want to write it down, then just record it into your phone and listen, listen to what you're saying. And I know for me, like I had to start really paying attention to all these different triggers. And I had to like cut ties with, you know, a bunch of people in my life because it just, I would feel anxious around them or feel weird or feel off or feel exhausted after I left them. And those are like energy vampires and you can't have them around you. What do you do? Yeah, I mean, we all have had those for sure. I come back, Jen came back. I mean, that identifying that in the past is a little easier than identifying it when you're in the situation. But let's say you're in a relationship and you're maybe you're in quarantine with that person or you're, you know, maybe not in quarantine with them, but you're obviously trying to maintain a relationship and you're quarantined separately either way, or just in general, breathing new life into relationships that feel like a rut how that's important too, right? Because even right now, let's just say you're apart quarantining or together, like that could get monotonous. Like I'm calling you to talk again for the 400th time, or here you are again, rounding the corner. Like we're stuck in this little apartment together. Like how do you think 
breathing new life into already existing relationships is important. And like, how can people start to do that? Like, what are some tips for that? I mean, it's kind of hard when you can't see the person ever, you know, and you're just talking on the phone, but definitely like having Zoom dates and like pouring yourself a glass of wine and actually like putting on some makeup and pretending like you're out to dinner. I mean, how else are you going to keep that connection? I mean, you got to look into another person's eyes. So, I mean, making an effort to like kind of keep, keep it alive, keep it fun. And you can do that. Your personality will shine through even if you're FaceTiming. And that's a good tip for people who are single and want to date and meet. Like you can still meet on apps. Jen and I have talked about this on the show before recently during all this, like FaceTiming is, can, is a date. Like just do that. Absolutely. Like, that. Yeah. I know um, lots of people, they're, they're just sitting at home right now with what a great time to meet someone online. If you're doing, if you're, you know, using dating apps, everyone's just sitting at I home. Date after this, yep. I'll have, you know, and I've been very <laughs> persistent about having these FaceTime dates. Although I think I kind of jumped the gun a bit because I like made every first date a FaceTime date. I'm like, wait, I can have just a phone call. And then if I even like the person, I could make it a FaceTime date another time. Like, why am I having to put my, like mascara on for a stranger? I think though, I think that's brilliant because you are going to know it's one thing to talk to someone on the phone. It's another thing to look at them. You can like, I don't know, you pick up so much more information from like actually looking at them, looking at each other. So I think you're smart. I think you're going to know really quickly, like yay or nay. I agree. I think FaceTime is, yeah, you put in a little bit more effort to like look a certain way, but you get so much more out of it than a phone call and you can see each other and react instead of like just hearing a voice. I think it's like totally, I think you should continue to push for FaceTime dates because uh, again, what else are you going to do? And I think there's so much more revealed by looking at each other. That's right. You know, one of my best friends, um, She's my age. She lives in Los Angeles. We've known each other since we were uh, in kindergarten. And she decided, like, I I really am ready. I want to get married. Like, I'm going to do this. So she ended up with an amazing man. I love her husband. Like, they had a great, you know, romance, everything. He's just, he's wonderful. And so I asked her, I said, well, how did you, like, how did you make this happen? And she said, the first thing I did was I sat down and I wrote out a long list of everything I wanted in a partner. And I was really specific, which we've all heard people say that, that they do that, which I believe works. If you write it down, you know, it really does become your reality. So then the second thing she told me is she was on like three dating apps. She said every guy that like she had a connection with, she'd be like, we're going out for coffee. Like she went on like a hundred dates or something crazy like that. And it worked because she finally found the one. And it was like she knew by then she had been on so many dates. She had dealt with so many different personalities that by the time her husband came around, she knew like by date one or two, like this was it. Oh, my God. I love that. Yeah, I loved it too because she's like one of the smartest people I know and balanced. And she was like, I just went for it. And I just gave every, you know, guy a shot. And she said, I got so good at knowing what I wanted and what I didn't want because of all these face-to-face dates that when the time came and the, the person showed up, she was like, it's a go. And so was he. 
Like they lived in six months. She got pregnant um, the night wow. they got married. Okay. So basically I have to FaceTime all day and all night with all the different dates. I'm going to speed FaceTime and I'm going to get it done <laughs> because I've got, I don't even know how much time in my home. And I feel like you got some time on your hands. Yeah. So here we go. But you know what is odd is that men are not, I don't feel like taking advantage of this enough because first of all, they don't have to pay for a date, which is like great for them. So they should really jump at the chance to do these FaceTime phone dates things. But like they're, I feel like it's scary for them to be like, let's sit on the phone and FaceTime. Like it's not natural. It is scary. Yeah, because most people are, you know, they're probably just texting each other and that goes on like forever and ever. But like, really, we're adults. Is that how you want to do it? I don't know. That doesn't sound that interesting to me. I agree. And if someone's like freaking out about a FaceTime, it's like, that's all that's, uh, you know, available for us right now. It's a little less invasive than an actual date. So if that's all that's there and that's like keeping you at bay, then that's a sign right there that like, no, thanks. Let's, you know, be an adult. Like we can FaceTime for 20 minutes and get a good idea. And it's also like, if people are afraid of it, that's revealing too, because it, it's giving you a real answer. Like that's normally what people shy away from. Like if I go on this FaceTime date, like I'm going to, maybe she won't like me or maybe I won't like her or whatever your fears are, they're going to surface because you know, you're probably going to get an answer over just texting somebody and sitting around and waiting for this pandemic to be over, which God knows when that's going to be. Right. And I mean, it's just like, go for it. If, if you want to be with someone like FaceTime all these different guys, cause you're going to know. I it's say so much faster than like texting for like oh months God. and months. They're like what a waste of time. I think Jen, you need to set these things up and like advocate for yourself. Like mm-hmm. once you're texting with a guy or whatever, however you're communicating with him and like, he seems like interested or whatever. I think it's good for a girl to take control or whoever it is. If you're just like interested in taking it to the next step to suggest it. And then they can like, maybe make some more plans like, Oh, that's a great idea. How about this day and this time? And like, let's drink this wine or whatever they can, the details can fill themselves in. But I think suggesting it is good. Like, I think you should suggest it every time. I'm with Lauren. And you know what? I might breathe new life into it by like coming up with like a, you like a opening question that I ask everyone so I can see how everyone answers. It'll be like my speed dating questions. And I'll be able to like weigh the answers like against each other. And basically I'm the bachelorette. So, okay, good. I've got, I'm glad we established this. Thank you. I mean, it is a numbers game, right? If you're meeting all these guys, something is going to work out. And I just think, uh, I love the idea of like FaceTiming or zoom or any of that. It's, I think it's brilliant. And if you then are now, you know, communicating with someone more consistently because you're FaceTiming and you kind of like them and you're doing this virtual dating sort of thing until time allows you to meet, how would you, cause creating bonds are really important, like in general, but how do you start to do something like that? If it's only virtual and like, what is the importance of bond creating anyway? I mean, that sounds like a stupid question because obviously you want to be bonded to somebody, but like, that's an important thing in general, but then virtually it's a little bit more complicated. So how do you start doing something like that? I mean, I think if you meet someone and okay, so let's say you jump on FaceTime and you have a couple of dates like that, 
you're going to know if you like each other. And then that, that connection starts happening. And then you start talking more and more and sharing more about your life. And I think it just naturally progresses into this connection that's, well, natural. I mean, I think it just happens. It's nothing, again, going back to the control situation. You can't control any of this. You got to just let it unfold. And I think you'll know if you have someone that you're talking to on a regular basis, and then you're really excited to see each other once this is all over. I mean, those are all good signs. If you talk to someone once and then you never hear from them again, or they don't call you for a month, I mean, then maybe you have a situation on your hands. And And isn't there something that's like a shared bond syndrome? I'm sure it probably has a fancy name in psychology or whatever, but like not Stockholm syndrome, but like one where you go through a hard time together and you have that shared experience that brings you closer. Yeah. I mean, you hear about that all the time. Like some guy got divorced and then it was like his best friend that, you know, was helping him out and then they end up getting married or they tell you on a first date, like do something adventurous, like skydiving. Cause that'll bond you. Cause there's like fear and adventure and all these different emotions that are going on. So, I mean, I know there's a science behind it. I'm not an expert in that department. I just know that, when you go through something with someone, it connects you. Well, this is a big thing yeah, to go and- through. And if you're like talking about it each day, like how you're both coping and you're coping similarly or helping each other get through certain areas, like you do start to almost like rely on each other for support and hopefully not in a codependent kind of way, but in a like you become partners in pandemic, let's just say. Yeah, no, I think that's true. And I think people are feeling pretty vulnerable right now. So I think it's a great time to meet someone because I think they'll be a little bit more open because they're just feeling more. Yeah. And when you're talking about pandemic and how people are dealing with it and all of that thing, all of those subjects that are going to be brought up probably a lot if you're virtually dating and trying to bond with somebody over something like this, I think it's important to ask them questions like what are they doing every day to help themselves and reflect and all of those things because I think that is really indicative of a type of person who is going to be able to communicate with you well, or just like, again, the ability to self-reflect is huge. So there are things that we want to practice in our everyday life that like we can better ourselves by doing. And then, then we can share with other people, even if it's just a friend to say, Hey, I did this thing. You should try it too. Or whether it's dating and you want to tell the person, Hey, guess what I'm doing right now? What are you doing? And get some like them to reveal some things. We think decluttering is like, I I mean, I'm like a big declutterer, like I'm super neurotic and like things need to be organized. So, and I can always feel like I can declutter more. (laughs) Um, But like, how do you declutter your life and start with like a room, for example? Um, And like, what is some tips for some people who might want to get rid of some things that no longer serve them? And then why is this important to do? Because yes, you make your room pretty, but what's the deeper message behind that. Okay. So first of all, I just want to say one more thing about dating in the middle of all this. I think it's really important to see how a person reacts to this type of situation because it's going to show you how they will react to future situations. And that's a big deal because in all of our lives, we're going to have people that die on us, illnesses, like all sorts of crazy things will happen. And you want a partner that can like, you know, stay strong, can handle things. And so I think this will be very telling if you're meeting people 
during this time period, like how they're reacting to it. Are they positive? Are they negative? Are they all doom and gloom? Like what's happening? So I just wanted to say that. I think it's important. Yeah. Yeah. Um, As far as decluttering. So I think my favorite story about that is when I decided to move out of Chicago um, and move to out in the country in Iowa, I was like, you know what? I looked in my closet and I had all these nice purses and like tons of nice dresses and heels. And I was like, I don't give a shit about any of this stuff. It's just weighing me down. And I knew it like I knew it like I knew it. So I either like I sold all my furniture and like sold a couple pairs of like really nice shoes. And then everything else I just gave away. Like I had my girlfriends come over and I was like, do you guys want any of this stuff? Because you can have my dresses and whatever. I was free. Like by the time I got to Iowa, I think I had like one suitcase and then, you know, I had some furniture delivered there that I had bought, like nothing crazy. And I felt so free because there was no clutter. There was nothing like holding me back. I didn't have, you know, a whole house full of stuff. And I had never had that experience before. So now I live pretty lean. You know, I don't like hoard a lot of clothes. I keep everything pretty simple and neat. And it like, I don't have to think about that stuff anymore. And I feel free. Like I could just get up and leave or go anywhere I want. And I don't have to worry about you know, packing up a billion things that I don't even need or use. I mean, oh my God, not being tied down to like material things is super important, I think. And oh my God, it's like, you don't need all that crap. You just, you don't. I actually have been thinking about my closet and like I declutter like often, but only certain things. Other things really just plague me like the mail and it's like my cross to bear. I like hate going through mail, but as far as my closet and bathroom go, I love to get rid of things. And like in my mind lately, I'm like, oh, let's see if I were to ever like, you know, start seeing somebody, they could have this little space right here where they could leave some stuff at my place. Or like I was like making room for a human in my mind that I wouldn't have had if I keep all my crap that by the way, I definitely don't wear. So it felt like I was creating a goal out of it. And like it was going to benefit me in some way. Right. I mean, that's some straight up law of attraction action going on right there. And I bet it'll work because you're already it's like somewhere in your mind, you're already seeing the future. So you're just really preparing for it, even if it's not totally in your conscious mind. It's there. And like, you know, I've had thoughts like, you know what, I want to get a bag ready that like I have all my toiletries and stuff for when I travel because I know like somewhere in the back of my mind, I'm going to be doing some traveling soon. So I was like, I need to really tighten that thing up. So it's like in my carry on suitcase, I'm ready to go. I could just throw a couple pairs of jeans in and a pair of boots and I'm like done. So like those were the thoughts that I was having about decluttering. Possibly you could probably do the same thing with like humans in your life like you were saying like when you moved like you had to cut ties with some people like and or like when also people cause you anxiety you need to cut ties with those people is this like the similar parallel to um sort of like removing people from your life I mean I I don't think that you should keep stuff in your house that doesn't make you feel good I don't think you should have lots of people in your life that don't make you feel good I mean Life is too short. So I'm a big fan of just letting it all go. It's only yeah. going to serve you. 
You have to identify what's not making you feel good first. And that could be anything from a person to having too much shit in your, on your desk, mail that's plaguing, whatever that is for you. You gotta go all like Marie Kondo on your stuff. And when you make, when you give, giving things away to like your friends is such a nice way to do it because it doesn't feel like you're just wasting something. If someone's worried about that, it's like, okay, well, I know Jen has this thing now and I'm glad she has it. So it, it's, I found giving away things, it helps instead of just like, unless it's obviously totally trash or broken, that is helpful. Donating is helpful. There's a lot of people in need of things right now. So that's a helpful way to sort of declutter and make space for new things. Like absolutely. You know how psyched I was to like give my best friend this kick ass pair of boots that I was, I, I knew they were amazing. I paid for them and I had them, but I didn't want them anymore. And she loves them to this day. So yeah, that made me super happy. It was like another layer of um, just good juju on, on top of, you know, getting rid of all my stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think like calling in a healthier lifestyle and starting with just like getting rid of clutter and things that don't make you feel good is great. And And we're also, so, and we're home so much, we can do this. Like we're just staring at the desk that's bothering us. So clean it out, start small and move on to other things. And then once you're done with that and your your space feels good, or maybe you do that one day and then you think about like your body the next, like we're working out at home now, like you're ordering food from grocery stores to be delivered. So you can get really specific about like, Ooh, look at this cool thing on here that I want to try protein powder or whatever. How do we pick healthy foods um, that give us like, because food is medicine, right? And that's what you believe. So how for like a healthy renewal, right? We're renewing our spaces with decluttering. How do we renew our bodies by putting in healthier things that will help us feel good? Maybe give us less anxiety, make us feel prettier or more hydrated or any of those things. Well, I mean, first of all, like we talked about, you got to pay attention to how you feel. There's energy in food. Like, I can't explain this to you why it is the way it is, but like I've gone to restaurants and I have eaten something and felt so sick afterwards and it wasn't the food. It was the energy of the person cooking the food. And I know that sounds abstract, but there is energy like in everything around us, including our food. So I went to my doctor and I was like, I need a food allergy test because I don't want to keep eating the same stuff over and over again that's making me feel horrible. So that was the first thing I did. I got a list of stuff, food that I had sensitivities to and I just was like, okay, I can't eat that anymore because it's it's making me feel awful. And then I just pay attention. Like I know I feel great when I eat like avocados or fresh fruit and fresh vegetables, but I know I feel like total crap if I eat gluten, like I'm down for the count. And then it's like I'm starting all over again. So after a while, the pain of eating the wrong foods just became so intense that I just started eating the right foods for me. And that really was born out of that list my doctor gave me and just paying attention. And I would write it down. Cause I'd be like, okay, I had like two tacos today for lunch. And then an hour later I had a pounding headache and I couldn't even like concentrate. So what was it? The corn? What was it? And I just started paying attention and adjusted my diet. And now I feel pretty good. And this most is of sort time. of like a similar, again, parallel to everything else. Like if something in your life makes you feel icky or sick or anxious or any of it or unhealthy, just mind, body, spirit, like that's something to take stock in and possibly 
eliminate from your life diet, let's just say. Yeah, because, you know, we're all given a chance to to do it right, quote unquote, do it right. And you can keep doing it wrong over and over and over again. You're just going to keep getting the same results. So eventually you're going to have to be like, uh, hey, this isn't working for me. So I'm a big fan of just paying attention, like keeping it simple. Just pay attention to how you feel. Be connected to your own body and, and spirit. And all the answers will come to you. It's it's not overly complicated. We just have a lot of noise in our lives. So we can't see things as clearly as we we. And like you write could. about, enlightenment is sexy. So knowing more is actually going to make you sexy and life sexy, right? Yeah. I mean, being being more aware of who you are and how you want to move through this world and why you're here. I mean, that's pretty sexy to me. Oh, yeah. I think you'd be attracted to somebody who is feeling all of those things. So why wouldn't you feel sexy being those things? I think that's really important. It sounds like the name of the game here is using this time that you're alone to self-reflect, ask yourself some deep questions, write things down so you're paying attention to what you're asking yourself and what the result is. Do little experiments, whether it's eating right, whether it's dating virtually, any of those things. And just like pay attention and, and be truthful, be honest with yourself. Yeah. And feel your feelings. Okay. It's like, we don't have any distractions right now. So like things are coming up big time and it's like, work through them, feel them the best you can. I mean, not torturing yourself, but it's okay to feel a little sad. It's okay to feel a little lonely or a little anxious. It'll pass, but I think it's good to actually be connected and really know what's going on inside. The only way out is through. You're going to have to deal with this one way or another. We just have the time right now, so I say go for it. And everyone should go for your book and follow you on Instagram <laughs> and keep in touch with you. Remind everyone where they can find you and your book. Uh, my book is on Amazon, and my website is just my name, ValerieGangus.com, and Instagram, just my name, Valerie Gangus. Awesome. Thank you so much, Valerie. This was so helpful. I already feel less anxious. I'm breathing more. I'm like thinking about what I can eat and like I need to whip out a journal. And Jen, you need to like type and FaceTime right now. <laughs> I shall. I'm going to take your suggestions, everybody who weighed in on FaceTiming, and I will put that further into practice. And put your podcasting further into practice by tuning in next week for all new episodes where we talk more about dating and relationship stuff with our guest clinical psychologist, Dr. Lori Watley. And if you want to join the class of master daters, don't forget to follow us on social media at Complicated Show and It's Complicated wherever you get your podcasts. And you can find me at Lauren Leonelli on all the social meets. And you can find me at Jennifer Golden on all the social meets as well. And we will be back next week for another episode. Thanks, ladies. Love you long time. You're listening to It's Complicated with your hosts, Jennifer Golden and Lauren Leonelli. 